continue through Romans, turn there with me, if you will, to Romans chapter 15. We've been walking through the book of Romans. Marvelous epistle that it is, a letter from Paul to a church that he'd never actually been to. I'd like to start this morning by dating myself. Because in college I had two favorite groups, two favorite singing groups. And one was Keith Green and one was Rich Mullins. And I always wondered if it was the Lord. They, they were so passionate about Jesus. is why they both died early. They both died in plane crashes at a young age, relatively. But, but I ran across this quote by Rich Mullins this week. He wrote this. I have attended church regularly since I was less than a week old. I've listened to sermons about virtue, sermons against vice. I have heard about money, time management, tithing, abstinence, and generosity. I've listened to thousands of sermons, but I could count on one hand the number of sermons that were a simple proclamation of the gospel of Christ. I pray you hear the gospel this morning. You hear the good news. We sang it, but sometimes it's only in our songs. We sang it, but I hope you hear it in the text. I hope you see that the great message we come around and why we come this morning is because of the good news of Jesus Christ. We've walked through an amazing proclamation of that gospel. He started in chapter 1 and he went full bore. It's Romans. It's fantastic. It's the proclamation that it's about Jesus Christ alone. And we saw that in chapter 1, in chapter 2, in chapter 3, all the way really until chapter 11. And then in chapter 12, he started talking about the response to that gospel. And if you look in your text and you see Romans chapter 15, verse 13, he ends he ends with the may, the, may the God of all hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. That's the end. And now we have a chapter and a half here where he's wrapping things up, really. Where Paul is saying, here are my plans, and here's a bunch of greetings to a bunch of people, and goodbye. What now? What do we see in here that, that hits us with the gospel, that again proclaims to us who we are to be and who we are in Christ? And that's what I want us to see this morning, that as we look at Paul's plans, how he communicates them, how they reveal what Paul, in the power of the Holy Spirit, thinks of you and me. What he thinks of you. And the issue is this, don't try to be Paul, but respond to his ministry, that we might humble ourselves to the message of the gospel. Boy, I hear you hear that as a believer today, you and I might hear the gospel again. Be excited and hopeful about what God's doing right now in your life. Let's take a look. We'll start in verse 14. Built on a foundation. First, we're thankful for our apostle. That's Paul. We're amazed at the truth of the gospel that's been ministered to us. Verse 14. I'm going to read the whole paragraph. Walk with me. I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. But on some points, I've written to you very boldly by way of reminder, because of the grace given me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God, so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. 
In Christ Jesus, then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God, for I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience, by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God. So that from Jerusalem and all the way around to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. And thus make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see. Those who have never heard will understand. That's a long paragraph. It's, it's an actual thought in the text, and we're going to look at that. But first, it's important to understand how Paul thinks of the Roman church. What he thinks. What he's doing. Do you see that how he starts in verse 14 and 15? He actually starts and says he thinks of them as mature, right? I'm confident in you, he said. I'm satisfied in you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able to instruct. I know you know, he says. I know you know of the goodness of Christ. The good news of Jesus, our only hope. And yet, think on this. Think on this. He has just spent 11 chapters laying out that their only hope is in the righteousness of Jesus Christ for them. Don't you find that amazing? Don't you think Romans, really, really, as we think this morning, as you think in your own mind, you think, oh, well, how have I used Romans? How have I thought of Romans in the past? Many times I think of Romans and I think it's the Romans road. You know, the Romans road starts by saying that we're all sinners and fallen short of the glory of God. Then it shows that Christ paid our sins. And, and then and then there in Romans 10, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, the Lord Jesus, you will be saved. And you can take someone through and show them this is what salvation is. It's so good. And yet Paul wrote this to the Romans who are saved. He wrote it to you and me, people like us who know Christ. That's amazing. He's reminding believers who already know about the wonder of the gospel again. Now and forever, we're going to know this truth, and it will impact everything. It will more and more get planted in my heart and come out in fruit more and more because this is the message that we come back to and worship our Savior in. And he says that in some points you see there, he's been very bold, he says. Key points for Paul. That's because of who he was, how he saw himself, right? There in 15, he says, on some points I've written to you very boldly because of the grace given me by God. And he starts, he goes into, and just to notice the phrases, to hear what he says. By the grace given to me by God, he says, who is Paul? Oh yeah, we know Paul. He, he's an apostle. He was a direct apostle, grace given to him. He says there in verse 16, to be a minister, a servant of Jesus Christ. Remember that Jesus Christ met Paul, Paul the murderer. Say, Paul, a murderer, what do you mean? Yeah, Paul, he was on his way to go kill some more Christians. He was on his way, and then there in the Damascus road, how Jesus Christ appeared to him. Jesus blinded him. He couldn't see. And he talked with Christ, and he got his commissioning as an apostle directly from our Savior, Jesus Christ. And therefore, he says, he is committed to the priestly service of the gospel. Isn't a different, interesting phrase? What does he mean? The priestly service of the gospel. 
That's the specific idea here. He's mediating God to man. Isn't that what the priests did? They mediated God to man. They stood there and, and, and they took sacrifices in so that people would be see and be cleansed before God. So that, he says, the Gentiles are made acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. This is so important for us to understand and to get. Paul stands in the gap. The priestly service to the Gentiles, you're a Gentile, I'm a Gentile, it's to us. And he says, he says, acceptable. Because he's a minister of Jesus, because our acceptability, our sanctification is by the Holy Spirit, right? It's right there. Doesn't it say that? So the offering of the Gentiles might be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Here's Paul saying it, declaring that. You stop and you think of the wonder of this just for a minute. What's the offering that Paul is talking about? It's the Gentiles. That's us. We're being told that we're acceptable before God. What does that mean? You couldn't just bring, oh, well, let's see. I think I'll go offer to God that goat over there. And you go get some dirty goat from the corner and you go offer to God. Could you do that? No. You had to go get goats and bird, whatever it was. It was a sacrificial system. This is a reference to. They had to be clean. They had to be without blemish. They had to be without spot. And here Paul is saying, look. My offering of the Gentiles is acceptable. That's you and me. He's saying, well, well, well wait, wait, Paul, Paul, does, Paul doesn't know my closet. He doesn't care. That's the message of the gospel. The message of the gospel is that it's about Jesus Christ's righteousness and the sanctification of the Holy Spirit. Do you believe it? And so here Paul is saying, that's my message. I'm the priest, says Paul, and this is the message. Gentiles acceptable by the sanctification of the Spirit through faith in Jesus Christ alone. So important. And Paul sees the Romans, other churches, Gentiles who are otherwise unclean. They get it. And so he says in verse 17, right, this is the work. Oh, this is the work I'm proud of in Christ Jesus. This is the work of which I'm proud, no other. Jesus accomplished through Paul to bring the Gentiles to the obedience of faith. I will not venture to speak of anything, he says in 18, except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience. Lest you think that's some sort of external thing, I would just point you to Romans chapter 1. In fact, turn there for a moment. These are bookends because the main content of Romans has been given, and there's the introduction and the end. This is the end. It's the frame. And so you go back to the beginning and see what he's talking about and look at verse 5 of Romans chapter 1 where Paul says he's a servant of God, of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle set apart from the gospel. And then he says in in verse 5, through whom, that's Jesus Christ, we have received grace and apostleship. He's received grace, remember? He's received grace. Grace given to him by God as an apostle. This is him referring to his apostolic ministry. And he says there, to bring about the obedience of, do you see it? Faith. The obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. The obedience of faith. 
You see this acceptable sacrifices because those who get the gospel are putting their trust in Jesus Christ, the perfect lamb. And therefore we are an acceptable sacrifice to God because we have Jesus Christ righteousness. This is the gospel. How did he do it? How did he accomplish these amazing things? How, what, what happened? Well, it's there back in our text in 15 and look at verse 19. Actually, the end of 18, it says this, by word and deed, that's his actions. Paul spoke. Paul did things. Yes, God used those things to bring people to understand the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's where it's at. And then also, he says, by the power of signs and wonders. Supernatural things. You know, God did supernatural things through Paul. He did. People got raised from the dead. Amazing things. And then finally, by the power of God, right? That's the ultimate thing. He says there, by the power of the Spirit of God. Ultimately, God did it all. Look, Paul says, I talked and acted. God even did supernatural things. And at the end, all is in the power of the Spirit of God. Every single person who puts their trust here, it's miraculous. And so he says in this wide sweep from Jerusalem up and around to Illyricum. That's modern-day Yugoslavia and, and Albania. So look, look, it's, it's like he said this. It's like he says this. Hey, so all the way from Southern California where I started, all the way from Southern California where the message originated, and all the way up to Bellingham, this message has gone out. I've fulfilled my ministry. Key churches have been planted. Key work has been done by Paul in this ministry of salvation by Jesus Christ alone. That sinners have been brought to faith in the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. That's the ticket you need. You must have. Oh, wonder that peace has come. Paul did this as a trailblazer. Verse 20, and thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, he doesn't want to build where someone else built, lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who've never been told of him will see. Those who have never heard will understand. So this is Paul's unique ministry. Right? He even claims Isaiah 52 is fulfilling it. He's fulfilling it. Have you ever done that? I just want to say I'm fulfilling Isaiah 52 today. No, he, he's the apostle. God did this. He's amazing. So we're talking this morning about our start, the Gentiles and the apostle to the Gentiles. The Gentiles are us. We're pagans. And Jesus Christ stopped a murderer there on the road to Damascus and chose that murderer, chose him to be the one who laid the foundation of the Gentile church. And he did it. He did it as a priest, mediating, pointing to how Gentiles would be an acceptable offering. Oh, I pray this morning you don't miss this grand truth. Don't miss the gospel. I know we've spent months looking at it, but we're saved by our union with Jesus Christ alone. We're given a righteousness that's not our own. That's our acceptability before God. It's what Jesus Christ did. His righteousness given to me, I don't have any. And so in reality, there's no such thing as a Christian hypocrite because we all should just say, yeah, I sin every day. I'm so amazingly glad. Oh, I'm sad at the cost to my Savior, but I'm so glad that I'm acceptable by what Jesus Christ did. And that's what Paul's saying. That's his ministry. When I say that, I got that from Paul. 
Which means the second thing is how thankful we are for Paul, right? I'm so grateful that God chose Paul, that Paul did the work that he was to do, that that ministry happened, and therein lies the danger. I know some of you have been following along with me going, okay, yeah, Paul's great. Because the message is what? That Jesus Christ is the center, not me. And yet I find unique and sneaky me. Ways to make it about me again. One is right here. I see it a lot. I want to be Paul. Paul is such a central figure. Uh, Surely I'm supposed to be just like him. Imitate me as I imitate Christ, he says. Doesn't he mean that I'm, I'm, I, I can do some apostolic ministry? Won't Jesus use me just like he used Paul? So, I, you know, I, I know the Bible says I'm a city on a hill, a light that can't be hidden. So I, I need to blaze my light more than you. That's why it's important that we keep on going and see where Paul's headed with as he presents himself in his ministry, his apostolic ministry. So he does that in, in verse 22. We're thankful for, for Paul, and we're pleased to be of service. I hope you are. If you get the gospel, you are. This is the reason, verse 22, why I have so often been hindered from coming to you. But now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I've longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain to be helped on my journey there by you once I've enjoyed your company for a while. So Paul's mission means that he hasn't visited Rome. He didn't plant that church. He's never been there. He's wanted to, but his commitment to the personal charge he received from Jesus Christ has prevented him. And we see as he writes this, he wasn't even going really to visit them except on his way to Spain. He saw it as part of his ark. So it'd be like on our map, if you did it, Spain was the westernmost part, and after that was the ocean. So Paul saw himself on this ark, starting in Jerusalem and going to Illyricum, which is modern-day Yugoslavia, Albania, and going over to Greece, that area, and then heading out west towards Spain. It would be like him saying to us, well, I'm in Southern California, I'm going to head up to Alaska, and on the way, I might stop by and see you in Bellingham. I hope to see you as I go. And by the way, I hope you'll help me in my journey, he says, right? I want to be helped on my journey there by you in verse 24, after I've enjoyed your company for a while. Interesting, let's come back to that, because in 25, he says, at present, I'm going to Jerusalem, bringing aid to the saints, for Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. They were pleased to do it. Indeed, they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings... They also ought to be of service to them in material blessings. When, therefore, I have completed this and delivered to them what's been collected, I will leave for Spain by way of you. I know when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. Again, Paul's own thought is this. I want to fulfill my charge. I'm excited to contribute to these poor brothers in Jerusalem. And the churches in Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make contribution. And I'm going to go deliver it. And then I'm going to leave for Spain. And I'll say hi to you on the way. So i got to go down to L.A. and, pa- and give this money off. And then, then I'll head back up to you in Bellingham. And, and I'm, I'm headed to Alaska. I know that I'll come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. I'm overwhelmed by the gospel. I want you to see this. It's a lot of text. See this. 
Paul's ministry was his own. Right? We see that because we see that the church of Macedonia, the church of Achaia, were also doing ministry. They sent help to the church in Jerusalem. And Paul says that was good. You see, you got your spiritual blessing from Jesus Christ. He's the root of David, the seed of Jesse. And he's sitting there saying, yeah, it's good for you. You've received this message. It's good for you to share physical blessings with the church in Jerusalem. They're brothers. And then the church in Rome is being asked by Paul to help in his apostolic ministry. Hey, when I, when I head through, I'm, I'm hoping to be helped on my journey there by you. That's supplies. That's food. Maybe that's a tent. I hope you find it as interesting as I do that Paul doesn't say this. Who's coming with me? Do you notice that absence in the text? Who's coming with me? And really, think about this for a minute. Think about it. They're sending money back to Jerusalem. What are you doing? You're on the front lines. you got to be headed east to Asia to get the message out to Asia. Don't send money back to Jerusalem. God will provide for them. You go use your resources to get to the unreached people groups of Asia. We're on the field. Something important is going on here. Something critical for you and I to, to, to see. Let me say it this way again. You and I are not Paul. You are not Paul. You are not the apostle. You are not on the road to Damascus. You're not God's gift to the Gentiles. You're not the founder of the Gentile church. Neither am I. It means something that you and I are not at the center. Neither was the church of Rome. There were lots of Christians there. This is the early church. But there were lots of Christians. What, what were the church doing? What was Macedonia doing? What was Achaia doing? They were looking for ways to serve. I've heard messages saying you need to be like Paul. And my response to you would be, what, what, what about, what about Phlegon? Shouldn't be like Phlegon? We'll meet him next week. He's in Romans 16. What about Rufus? What about Hermas? What about Petrobus? Shouldn't you be like them? It's difficult because it tears at how I grew up, how we grew up in America. We grow up with hero stories. I grew up with hero stories. I love the Justice League. Have you ever seen them? My favorite Superman. He's unstoppable, except for that little kryptonite thing. We get kryptonite out of the way. The man, wow, I said, I want to be like Superman. I want to be like him. I can, with x-ray eyes, look through walls. I can, like, burst through stuff. Nobody can stop me. I'll just be like Superman. I watch the stories, and I want to be like him. For my little girls now, in this culture, it's the same thing, only they're girls. So they're princesses, right? They watch the stories. Guess what? There's, I have two little girls, and they watch a, a princess story with one princess. And there's maids, and there's coachmen, and there's other things. Guess what they want to be? Yeah, they both want to be the princess. Nobody wants to be the maid. And what we do in our house is we say, okay, you both can be the princess. You can both be the princess. There can be two. But that's not the Bible, is it? We're not at the center. Never. Neither was the church at Rome. Neither was the church at Macedonia. They're just looking for ways to serve as a body. That's what's going on. So here's the gospel. We receive righteousness. 
the gift of Christ's faithfulness, and we are acceptable, as imperfect as we are. Let me say that. Without being a missionary to Africa, without being a pastor, without being a rock star, So we stay there and in thankfulness and gratitude and amazement. It's true. The message of the gospel is true. And so here I am. I'm set. It's not about me. I will forever be on the sidelines worshiping Jesus Christ. And my heart, hopefully yours is too, I get bursting with gratitude. I just can't believe that me, a sinner, I get to go to heaven. And so I just say, how can I serve? What can I do? For Macedonia and Achaia, that was help with the poor. For Rome, that was helping outfit Paul, encouraging him with hospitality because God was at work in their daily living as they sent him off to Spain. Whether or not he got there. Some in church tradition, First Clement says that he got there. Other tradition says that he didn't. But, but that was his thinking. You, if you come to church here, you're part of this body. And maybe you really you want to be Paul. And my word to you this morning is stop. There's not some great grand design to make you and to make me a hero. You're not the hero. Jesus Christ is. So we humbly serve. And, and I just want to testify to you. I want to testify to you in our body, the miraculous ways that the Holy Spirit, you know, we just, just this week, um, somebody in our body decided it would be fantastic for us to have a hospital basket. So they went out and gathered different things like toothbrushes and, 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 and candy bars. I know they don't go together, but they put them in the same basket. And that way people that they're in the hospital, we can go and we can give them this basket and say, hey, we love you and our, we want you to be okay. There's a family in our body who for the last seven years, every other week, has gone to the convalescent home over on Old Fairhaven Parkway and run a service for the old folks there. Pushed them in their wheelchair so they can come and given a message about Jesus and sung songs. I can hook you up if you want to go. There's people who, over last winter, and there's a box out here in the sanctuary, and they gave coats for the homeless people. And then, and then during the week, homeless folks would come in, and they would pick out. They would go through and, oh, I like this one. No, I think I like this one. Which one can I take? And we could come up as pastors and say, hey, hey, yeah, that's from our body. We just, we want you to know Jesus. He's better than a warm coat. There's a, a movement afoot in our body to help kids who have disabilities. There's folks who show up, usually the same group, every month to come and, and hand out a, a meal for the homeless. There, there's cleaning up that happens after service. People just doing it. There's people who bring cookies every week for fellowship. Man, I wish they were more. I wish they were like Paul. They are like Paul, right? It's not better to be Paul. No, it's not. No, it isn't. When you go there, realize you're putting yourself back in rather than us just saying, hey, what's out there for me to be just pleased to be of service? Because I, it's it's done deal. I'm in heaven. I'm going. Jesus Christ died for my favor set upon me. It's not how awesome I was, but I I, I want to do something. Don't get pulled to, I want to be the hero again. I'll tell you, we get pulled this way. I've heard this. It's great to cook cookies, but it's better to be a missionary. I say that as a person who's been to Africa ten times. I've been. Good work going on. I don't don't denigrate it at all. Oh, it's so fantastic. Watch out for this. This is a recent New York Times bestseller. 
Maybe that's a flag right there. I don't know. New York Times bestseller, but a Christian book. And, and this great, he's a brother, and he said this. This is what he wrote in his book. It's on page 160 in this book. The question, therefore, is not can we find God's will? The question is, will we obey God's will? Will we risk everything, our comfort, our possessions, our safety, our security, our very lives, to make the gospel known among unreached peoples? Such rising up and such risk-taking are the unavoidable, urgent results of a life that is radically abandoned to Jesus. Okay, don't get me wrong. I love that. I hope every single person in this room has a life that is radically abandoned to Jesus, don't you? I need an amen. We don't just sit around and do nothing. We don't just sit around. But but don't get me wrong. If you say that the best thing you can do is get out to the unreached people group and not serve right where you are, you've missed something. And I would say you've missed something called the gospel, the good news. The good news that there is a hero. That, because look, this is the thinking. So what are you doing? Shouldn't you stop whatever you're doing now and go? Go to Zambia. Go to Uganda, go to Iran, go somewhere overseas, at least go to Spain. Again, we, I love that the gospel goes overseas. I've been. But oh, that you might this morning hear that our response as a body is that we serve Jesus. And we serve him with cookies. And we serve him with coats. And we serve him as a light in our workplace. And we serve him raising our kids. And we serve him in every single place. And sometimes you get this thing saying, I don't think I'm valuable. I don't think I'm doing enough. I don't, I have guilt in my heart because I've had this thing where, man, the real heroes of the faith, I, man, Hudson Taylor, or Amy Carmichael, or now these, and there's just a few raised up. And people pull, and so they pull to the Bible, and here's where they pull. They go to Matthew 28. That's the Great Commission. I want to read you from Matthew 28, verse 18. Listen, Jesus came to him, came to the disciples. He said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Realize when Jesus says that in Matthew 28, he's talking to people who have not yet planted a single church because the church hasn't started. And he says to them, you're going to do it. And guess what happened? They did it. And we follow in with them. So it's not like we never plant churches. Oh, our hearts, our hearts desire and our church is to plant a church. But don't get me wrong, we're not Paul. And the command, if you really read verse 19 of Matthew 28, go therefore and make disciples of, of, of all the nations, teaching them and baptizing them. That the, the command is make disciples. And the go is on your way. As you're living, as you live your daily life, as God puts opportunity before you, as another sunrise comes up and you get up in the morning, as you go, may you be making disciples. My little girl is a disciple. I pour into her. Your workplace person that you're, hey, touching gently. They're, they're, you, you're doing your best to make a disciple. 
You're engaging in the church, in the work of the church. As, as, as we fellowship together, we're making disciples. That, that's what it is. Because what God is doing is more. He's doing more than you can see. With Jesus Christ as the center, what God is building is His church. There's something deeper and wider. It's why Ephesians 3.10 doesn't say that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the world, to those people out there. Through the, through, he doesn't say that in Ephesians 3.10. Here's what he says. Listen. He says, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. You get that? We're part of something bigger, you guys. We're part of something bigger than our, how are we sharing just with the person outside. That's important. I don't denigrate that. But it's part of something bigger. You're part of a church where what we're doing is showing the manifold wisdom of God to the heavens. That's what Ephesians 3.10 says. How do I do that? I believe in Jesus Christ. I serve cookies. I do. You were pleased to be of service. Why? Because of what Jesus has done, it impacts me. And so downstream of that impact, downstream of that amazing truth that is now planted in my heart, I respond. I don't try and be the central player anymore. I don't care. I want to worship Jesus. That's it. There's one more piece here. Striving together in prayer. Let's look at verse 30. I appeal to you, brothers. He ends the section with this. I appeal to you, brothers. He means brothers and sisters. By our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf so that I may, that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. May the God of peace be with you all. Amen. So one more little paragraph here. One more piece. This is a direct appeal to the church at Rome, to these Roman Christians, primarily Gentiles, but mixed in Jews, and to us through them. Its appeal to us is really because of this incredible motive. Do you see it there? The gospel. I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, him, the wonder, our Lord forever, the one who saved our souls, the one who gave us his righteousness, the one who obeyed for me, the one who died on a cross for my sins, by that one. And additionally, by the love of the Spirit, you know that love that comes because the Holy Spirit comes to me and lives in me and has sealed me and is my guarantee of an eternity in Christ. Massive, big motivation. I may not feel warm and fuzzy this morning, but I'm convinced of these things. Look, so what can I do? What does he say? Pray. Strive together in your prayers. This is very gospel-centric. Asking God to act, right? Asking God for other people to be lifted up. Do you see that? Do you see how, how different that is than asking the Lord, what, what I really want is for me to be on the center. No, he's pulling back and saying, no, strive together in prayer for me. That you might bend your knee to God and ask that he might bless somebody else. 
And that's what he asked them for. He asked for deliverance from unbelievers. That's for safety. He asked them to pray that God might keep him safe. He asked that his service might be acceptable. So he's asking them to pray that God would truly bless him. He, he's asking that, that he would be able to come with them to join, be refreshed. He's asking them to pray to God for personal rest for Paul. Do you see there's a reason why prayer and, and self-centered ambition are not very easily put together? So pray. Pray not because it's a duty to be discharged, not because it's a discipline to make you better or stronger or faster, but because it's a response that puts Jesus at the center and says, Lord, I know I can't do this. So, Father, we do. We pray you might raise up volunteers to help in the children's ministry because the Holy Spirit can convict you that you need to be back there serving our kids, showing them the gospel. We pray that, that people in the hospital might it might go well with them because I can't make Priscilla Galvin have a healthy baby, but God can. So I, I recognize God's at the center and I strive in prayer because I'm responding to this idea that I'm convicted of with all my heart that the center of my life is Jesus Christ. He's able. Okay. This is our passage. I know we've run through it. I know it's a lot of text. I hope you see that Jesus Christ is the center and not you and me. And a, a, a bit it's hard to know sometimes as we read texts like this in the Bible, what to take away from it. These are Paul's personal plans. He's not us. But it's precisely because he's not us that we can see we aren't him. That we can be willing to make sacrifices, realize the sacrifices often are us being small, not us being big. Us being unseen, not us being seen. Us being Christ-exalting, not being self-exalting. Us realizing that God's amazing plan is His plan. It's not ours. I don't know what will happen tomorrow, but I know my God does. We get to live it together. Please don't hear me this morning as we close that this is an anti-missions thought. I love missions. We need to share. It's a good work that we get people to go overseas and share about Jesus. It's just a danger. It's a danger for me that that becomes something that's better than the rest of the service of the church. I'm not against strategic resources. In college, the big thing was the 1040 window. We're not tearing down missions, but we need to lift up the body of Christ in humility and gratitude, not in individualism, but in us together, knit together by the Holy Spirit, being a witness to the heavens by what God has done, bearing fruit rightly. That's where we want to be. I'd like to close with Colossians 1, 15 and 16. Listen, it's on your bulletin, if an outline if you want to look. He, speaking of Jesus Christ, our Savior. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Oh, I pray that touches your heart today, that our lives 
might be only about Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Thank you.